0: TJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Pablo Mastrani, RSL's interim coach. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Pablo, good morning.
1: Good morning, guys. How's it going?
0: It is going well this morning, and I guess it's going well for you. You're on a pretty wild ride right now, aren't you?
1: Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a, a crazy last couple of weeks, um, but uh, really enjoying it. Um, I think we ended off the season on a bright note and uh, just carrying that momentum here into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, you speak of momentum, Pablo. I mean, your team obviously has it to the highest level. I would have to think right now, to, to, to one degree or another, if not completely, they probably think they're invincible.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I think, you know, we've again i think the the, the way we end the season with uh you know so, some tough defeats and some some good and, and a great victory um and then you know starting in seattle going up against thirty five thousand fans and a difficult place to play and winning that game and then you know going back to kc where we were a couple of weeks earlier to get in and playing that fantastic game and get a great result and so you're right i think that confidence is within the group um but uh, the, the great thing that I that I notice at this moment about the group is that there's a there's it's quiet confidence. It's it's not, um, you know, guys aren't getting over them, getting ahead of themselves. They're, they're they're training the right way. They're preparing the right way, um, and you can really see the focus in their eyes.
0: It's funny because a couple of weeks before the playoffs, I think most fans would have said this team is just barely going to miss the playoffs, and the reason they're just barely going to miss is they haven't been nearly good enough on the road. They've only won three road games, and one of those road games was Vancouver at Rio Tinto Stadium, which is just a bizarro pandemic thing, so it was a home road game, which is weird. And then, you come from behind and win in Dallas, you win in the last second in Kansas City, you've now won two playoff games, one in penalties, and again, stoppage time goal. It's four straight road wins. There is literally... No RSL fan who would have bet on that, and yet it's happened. The obvious question is why, but and I know it's a radio, so you got to come up with an answer. But is there really an answer, or it's just one of those things?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to really make sense out of a lot of things in life, right? I think things just kind of happen, but I think there's a lot of uh, emotion and belief, and and you need the breaks as well, and so. Um, but but what I'd say is it's really interesting because I think the amount of focus there is on road games when there's 34 games before you um, isn't nearly as high as when it's win and go home. And so that obviously has a lot to do with it. Um, and, And the guys just, you know, coming together at the right time. I mean, there's so many side stories where, you know, Miriam has been fantastic in, in, in the late run of, of this group and coming in and, and really marking a difference. Um, and so that adds to it as well. And as, that, as, as the guys coming in and off the bench do such a great job of contributing, other teams start to realize that this is a real thing as well. So um, I think it's, a, it's an emergence of a, a lot of different factors, um, but, but the most important thing is, is that the team believes and really confident about the, the work that we've been able to achieve.
2: This sort of reminds me of baseball. I'm an old baseball guy. If you go to the baseball field at Thunderbird, Pablo, you should know when I was a senior, I won the gold glove as a senior. I only had three errors and 55 chances, and I'm really proud of it. It's probably written somewhere on Thunderbird's campus, by the way. You just have to search it. Maybe behind the bathroom in the boys' locker room. I don't know. But... Uh, it. it it reminds me of baseball in a sense where we've seen this before. We don't necessarily see it in other situations, but you get baseball where you can get hot. And if you get hot at the right time, what you did the, four, the prior four, five, six months really doesn't matter. And it's almost unexplainable. I don't know if you feel like that because you're with the team every day so maybe you had a little more faith. I necessarily didn't have the faith that they would win a couple of matches here like they've done, but I relate it to baseball in terms of getting hot at the right time and that that's really all that matters.
1: If you're yeah, you're absolutely right. I think this is this is it. momentum is such a huge thing in sport, you know, and going on streaks in the regular season, but it's really magnified when you're when you're at the end of the season and the way you came in. And I think it's also the way we came in to the playoffs, right? It was a. It was probably coming off of two difficult defeats where we were wide open and getting beat transitioned to an organized performance where we were disciplined. And then on top of that, we get rewarded with a, a goal with whatever it was, 15 seconds left. And then we feel like if we can do that again, um, we can carry on. And then we got, you know, we we had a performance in Seattle that was – not what necessarily the way it was planned, but we held tight and we found a way to win. And so, this momentum stuff, this belief stuff, it starts adding up. The more you, the more you experience it as a, as a player. And then, like I said earlier, I think other teams start to believe that you, you have this momentum. And oh man, these guys are coming, and they're going to score late goal when they make their subs. And so, it's been it's 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 hard to explain, but it's been an enjoyable ride for sure.
0: So the ride keeps changing, though. Players coming and going. You're losing Everton. He's suspended for yellow cards. They are losing two of their top three goal scorers, one because of an injury, and Portland lost another guy who took a red card at 90 plus four minutes, which seems incredible to me, especially because he knew his teammate was out with the injury. But nonetheless, how different is that when you got three guys who would usually be starting in this game and they're out? How much does that change everything?
1: (laughs) I would like to say it it would have some effect, you know, but, uh, how, you know, they're, they're a dynamic attacking team. And so they have Moreno, that'll definitely jump in there. And then a guy like Valeri. And so when you think about those two guys, you're like, man, that's kind of a like for like, you know, miss. Um, and, and for our group, you know, Everton's been a a huge part of, of, of the run we've been on. Um, and you know, uh, it's, 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 it's not going to be easy, but I think we, what we've shown with our group is when some guy's out, someone else steps in and does a great job. You know, Albert was out for the first two playoff games. You know, Chang stepped in and did a great job. Um, and so it, it's a playoff match. You could talk about X's and O's and, and all these different things, but really it's about who shows up on the day and who believes that they have a chance to win.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what it boils down to, in, in a sense. Uh, I'm wondering if there's anything that's negative creeping in. Suppose you get down early, it's like, well, big deal. We've already faced long odds anyway, so that shouldn't be much of an issue. You know, on the road, not much of an issue, as you said. You know, I watched that game. Thirty-four thousand people in Seattle. It's a, it's it's almost like at this point, as crazy as it sounds. There's not a whole lot that can deter this club.
1: That, that's, what, that's what it feels like, PK. I think, you know, we've, we've seen a lot. Um, you know, we've been through some battles in, in the regular season away at San Jose where it was a slugfest, and we ended up on top 4-3. You know, we took some tough ones at home, um, giving up seven in the last uh, two home games. And, uh, you know, I, I think when you see a lot... Um, nothing scares you and more importantly when you see a lot and you have the confidence that you're always going to find a way in if you get behind and that you're going to maintain a 0-0 for as long as you can on the road in these playoffs uh until um you find that goal i think the, the guys have been so steadfast in the resolve um in these in these last few games it's been it's been fantastic and even at halftime um, you know, when I'm addressing the team and I'm looking in their eyes, I'm not looking at eyes, you know, in Kansas City of a group with their heads hanging down and, and they, you know, shaking their heads. I'm looking at guys' eyes that are just, they're dilated. They're they're in, they're focused. Um, and I'm saying we're getting back in this game, boys. And if we get back in, if we find that first goal, we're going to find that second one. And so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic uh, feeling that we have in this group and uh, definitely look forward to uh, pushing it forward to see how far we can go.
0: Pablo Master Andy joining us, RSL interim coach. So, uh, you read a book that changed the course of. I don't know I don't know if I can say that changed the course of your career, but it changed whether or not you went to the bubble a year ago. And it's kind of influenced how you communicate with people. You know, some coaches want to control every detail, cross every T, dot every I, maybe they'll get labeled control freaks. You've gone the opposite direction. Explain the book and how it changed your thinking and how you're interacting with players during this playoff run.
1: Yeah, so the, the name of the book is called The Surrender Experiment, and it's, from, it's by uh, Michael Singer. And, and so it's not give, give away all, all the wonderful bits of information in there. It's, it's, it's basically a gentleman that uh, dropped out of college and set off on a life to be a yogi. And, and then fast forward to, this, to the end of the book, and he's selling uh, one of his companies for like $300 billion or some kind of, I don't know how many billion dollars. And so it goes from this. This guy drops out of high school or college and then is a yogi to this guy selling this multi-billion dollar company. Um, And and essentially the story um, is this, it's this experiment of him surrendering to whatever comes across his path in life and always saying yes. And and his, his thought behind this is that as human beings, we have preferences. And so we, we want certain things and we don't want certain things. Um, but that's based upon our, like our emotional and behavioral behavioral self. And he talks about the universe in a way that basically the universe takes in a billion data points that are currently going on in everyone's life on the planet and all the different, uh, variables that are involved in the solar system and, and basically places you want a path where you need to be given the path that you're currently on. Um, it's a remarkable book and, uh, I was reading this in a moment where I had some anxiety going into this bubble last year when COVID just broke out, and I'm thinking we're all going to go into this bubble and just infect ourselves. Is that what the plan is? Um, But I ended up surrendering, and I ended up going to the bubble and had the most amazing experience Um, seeing old friends, um, you know, drinking beers with coaches from uh, other balconies that you could see above you and below you to the side of you and and sharing, (laughs) sharing coaching stories. Um, and it ended up being just like this amazing trip. And then after I, I got back, I, 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 I passed that book along. I bought it for probably 50 people in my life since then. And so it's, it's a book that currently um, surrendering to this moment as well and, and, uh, and surrendering to the moment, really getting into the uh, playoffs where we thought we had to go to Casey and win. Um, and, you know, and I was thinking to myself, well, if this is a path we need to go, it's a, it's a fantastic path if, if it's meant to be. And and uh, I think it was really the catalyst to this run. So um, it's a big part of my life and uh, will be for, for the rest of it for sure.
0: You know, as I get older... Well, I say... Uh, oh. I was just going to say, as I get older, that kind of stuff makes more sense to me, Pablo. But you've got a bunch of young guys on the team who've come up with them the academy, and somehow they've gone over 300 minutes without allowing a goal and to run a play. And you got a goalkeeper and, and three defenders. And so when you say that kind of stuff to 22 year old guys, does it make sense to them, or do you feel them starting to look at you like, whoa,
1: coaches off the deep?" No. Head. No, I would never say any of this stuff to them. I would never. That's this is for me and my own personal journey. Okay. This is not. I, I would never say it to the team. I would never. Okay. Um, yeah. No. It's 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 you know when you're in there, you got to reach them, and this kind of stuff does not reach those guys. Uh, a few, I think a few, and maybe in a few generations it might for them, but for now it's it's really staying focused and dialed in and doing all the little things.
0: Well, Pablo, we appreciate you coming on and spending a few minutes with us here this morning. Uh, good luck in Portland. I don't know what the deal is. Seattle, Sporting Kansas City, Portland. I guess there is no way to squeeze in a trip to LAFC, too, so you can play in front of all of the most rabid fan bases.
1: I uh, appreciate it, guys. Yeah, really looking forward to it. And uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take everything that uh, we've learned and everything we've experienced and take them to a hospital crowd in Portland and, and do whatever we can to get out of there with a, with a great result and keep this run going, hopefully.
0: Pablo, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot, and good luck in Portland.
1: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: All right, there is Pablo Mastroni, RSL interim coach, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. An interesting guy. You can get into uh, deep conversations with him, and you look up, and like 10 minutes went by, and you think it was like 30 seconds. So I've never had the chance to sit around and talk to him for an hour. I don't know if it would seem like about two minutes, but I always feel like that is probably how it would play out. Thunderbird High, behind the well, we'll see, behind the man. Thunderbird High, behind well, the bathroom door in the boys' locker room. That's that's where the plaque is.
2: No, no, it's some. I, I think I wrote it. Oh, you wrote the, it. The door.
0: All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, the Joe Ingles Show coming up in 40 minutes right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. DJ and PK in the morning proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. I'm in studio with Yach. PK is on the road in Las Vegas. The Pac-12 title game is right around the corner. Seems like we've been waiting for this for a long time, PK. I mean, we were waiting for it. Since Utah beat Oregon two weeks ago, but realistically, leading up to that game, not even the week of the game, a couple weeks before the game, we are saying, oh, that game looks like a preview of the Pac-12 title game. I mean, each team had a wobble because it's a Pac-12 and they always have a wobble, but we've known it for a while. A a wobble. (laughs) A wobble.
2: A wobble. Last week, I had a gobble. This week, they yeah, had a gobble. Wobble. Uh, yeah, I think after they beat ASU, we thought that uh, Utah yeah. was the heavy favorite because yeah. if for no other reason, there's only uh, two, one pretty good team in the Pac-12 South, one sort of decent team maybe, maybe two, and then three crappers. <laughs> and so uh, we knew what the situation was. Certainly, once the Devils lost to Washington State, because then with Colorado still and Arizona on Utah's schedule, uh, that was a given uh, at that point. I mean, we were able to say it with uh, fairly amount, a fair amount of certainty, authority, that, uh, barring the absolute, yeah, that it was going to happen. And sure enough, it did happen. I, I think we needed a little bit more uh, evidence for Oregon.
0: Well, I think we did need a little bit more evidence for Oregon because they got worked so badly by the Utes. I mean, that's the Stanford game was weird and. At the time, it was weird, and it just got weird because that was the last time Stanford won. I mean, Stanford was off to a half-decent start, and over the last decade, Stanford has had Oregon's number. And the thing with Oregon is, can you be physical with them? And this isn't the most physical, dominant Stanford team, but I also don't think we could completely wrap our arms around that idea at that point in the season. But as the losses piled up for Stanford, we could, so that was a head-scratcher. And then they really, really got drilled by the Utes. So we needed, we needed Oregon to look good against Oregon State. Not just win. Well, they had to win to get in. But they had, to, they had to look good to kind of renew our confidence in them that they could provide a good game Friday night. And they did. They did look good. And they did all the stuff right that they'd done wrong against the Utes.
2: I thought they looked okay. I don't know that they looked good. I mean, the fact is they only dropped to 11th in the rankings, so I think the Pac-12 desperately needed Oregon to win to have any sort of semblance of credit, uh, credibility in your conference game. If you would have had a 7-5 and five team with a coach and a staff who quit, or not quit, but uh, had to resign or whatever it was in the midseason because of the vaccine issue, that would have just made a this game tomorrow night a complete stinker but now you got what are the youths are they up to 14 is that what they are now where are where are they in the ranking uh, so you've got two at least they're not going to go they're not going to go to the playoff but you got two decently ranked teams so there's some street cred there
0: yeah the youths are 14 in the ap top 25 they are 17 according to the college football right. playoff rankings but at least it's not which in, i don't understand that i know it's kind of low <laughs> i thought they should be a little higher uh but nonetheless, that's where they are. And I, I think if they win, they will be moved up several notches. So they got that going for them. Uh, but, it, I mean, to your point. It's, it's funny
2: because. I...
0: It's much better that they're playing 10th ranked Oregon than they're playing Washington State 7-5 and 5 with an interim coach. That would have just been a total downer. It would have been mocked nationwide. And this isn't the greatest matchup, but it's way better 10 versus 17 is way better than the youths playing an unranked team with an interim coach. And that, that just would have, that would have sucked. Lincoln Kennedy was on with us earlier this morning and we talked with him about this PAC 12 title game and where this is going. And, uh, his point was Oregon, that, that was, and he's a former lineman, Oregon got dominated so badly. Uh, that they have got to come back, show some pride, and play better. But there's so much of a gap to close. And he was really down on the concept that, you know, they'll be super fired up and they'll come after you. As a former offensive lineman, he's like, that's just going to lead to mistakes. You can't see red. You, it's Yes, it's physical and you need the adrenaline, but it is still and, – and we've gotten this. It's still a thinking man's position and a thinking man's game. And, yes, you're a 300-pounder crashing into another 300-pounder. But uh, – when we talk with Nick Ford weekly, he's talked about you know the alignment in his feet, 45 and 90 degree angles, and he's got to be totally locked in on what position he's playing in each game because the fundamentals and the footwork from position to position change dramatically. And Lincoln was all on board with, man, if Oregon comes out with the same attitude and the same level of energy that they had against the Utes two weeks ago, they're going to get drilled again. But he was also very sure that if they come out super fired up and adrenaline, well, then it becomes some kind of, I'm not a martial arts guy, but you know I use your force and your body against you, and the Utes would basically just flip them on the head and destroy them. He just thinks there'll be a bunch of, a bunch of penalties, guys jumping off sides, guys getting late hits, guys missing assignments. You see in red, you got to think you know, you got to have your eye open for a delayed blitz. You're the second guy in on some guy. you got to be ready to step away and take a linebacker who comes, who comes a beat later than you expect. So he was – it sounds like a, there's a, certainly a path for Oregon to win. You've got turnovers. And, you know, Brown at quarterback is a wild card. The guy is so up and down. You look at his stats this year, and he had 12 games – and he, had, he played all 12 – and he had six games – where he did it right. You can just look at the stat line, the completion percentage is there, the touchdowns are there, he eliminates the interceptions. But he's got half a dozen games where it's just all wrong. In a sport where the percentage that completion percentage you expect out of a quarterback has climbed from fifty five to sixty to sixty-five or seventy. I mean, he does that. He has a three game stretch where his completion percentage against Cal, UCLA, and Colorado, poor team. Slightly above average team, really bad team. Well, he's completing 71, 74, 80% of his passes. But he's got games where he's throwing two picks. He's not throwing any touchdowns. He's got multiple games where he didn't even complete 50% of his passes. He's a total wild card. You just, you can't count on him. Now, he does have the games where he throws for 300 yards and lights somebody up, but you can't count on him. And PK, yeah. you haven't been counting on him all year long. And he has he, he has these games occasionally where he's good enough to keep the job, and then he has the games where if you complete 48% of your passes like he did against the use the first time, you're probably going to get beat the second time.
2: Uh, Brown is down, and the Ducks are going to get out of town. <laughs> Mic drop. Thank you, Poet. <laughs> so you're down in Vegas you know, already. Sorry. Are you
0: seeing any yes. fans down in Vegas already, or is that uh, it's too early? The U fans will be rolling in
2: today. Well, it's literally only uh, seven thirty-six. You realize I had to get up so freaking early just to join you people. <laughs> Jeez, dedicated. <laughs> if if I make me governor of Nevada, and the one thing I will do is put them on Mountain Time Zone, they should never be on Pacific Time Zone makes no sense. Sure it does, but I don't want to get into that with you. No, <laughs> Come no, on. It does not. You, ha- you have to have, in order to be Pacific, that means you're the ocean. So you have to have a state that borders the ocean. And Nevada <laughs> does not border the ocean. Follow the money.
0: Vegas, Reno, Tahoe. No. Get a no. lot of gamblers no. from San Francisco and no. L.A. Don't confuse oh, them.
2: Irregardless, same time they zone. Come either way. We're
0: part, no, we're no, part of California. No. Don't make it co- complicated. Just come on over and gamble and give y- us your money. Y-
2: y- no, you're not. Especially now. Come on, where you can gamble, walk out the door, across <clears throat> the street. Yep, it's a true story.
0: <laughs> How about <laughs> yeah. just try gambling I mean, it, 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 on your phone? phone. Yeah, you just go on your phone. If you're a sports fan, there's plenty of games you can.
2: Remember, I told you the other day that uh, a friend of mine. Uh, texted me, literally texted me, as it was obvious that Oregon was going to have to punt with 11 seconds to go in the first oh, half. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was and awesome. He said, and he said, Covey's taking it to the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did, obviously, and it was a great play. Well, now I was thinking about this. This is only a matter of time Well you'll be able to sit in the stands and actually bet. Yes. That, is Covey going to take this? Yes. Yeah, you can You can put down a bet. I mean, that's that's clearly where we're going with this. Uh, You're not
0: the only one saying that, that either. That is clear where we're going, and I've no. read multiple stories. Right. You're going to be able to bet, run, or pass on the next play. And if you have a gambling addiction, there are going to be people lining up to separate you from your money, and, and that's where this is going. And yeah. the commissioners have been told, don't speed up the game because you need to give people time to bet in between pitches, in between snaps the the no yeah, the no I, huddle I, offense is going to irritate gamblers
2: I think that it's only a matter of time you'll be able to bet on when i send out my next anti-church tweet <laughs> I'll
0: bet on, I'll bet on never <laughs> <laughs> Why would i bet on that people a, I have my reasons but i want to keep my edge with the but, tweeting books I was gonna say sports books but that's not what it is with the tweeting books I got to keep my edge
2: I can't explain I only, my reasons but that's the tweet I got this morning he's waiting for my next tight church tweet uh, so I've got like three or four I'm contemplating right now I think i will uh, they're embargoed until uh, 11 o'clock West Coast time so uh, although I don't know maybe I'll do it earlier because if I do it earlier then it would be a nooner only sooner but yeah, I don't know we'll have to see
0: free association but, uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little early for the Pac-12 title game because I don't think, as uh, I, we were talking about this earlier, that this isn't a uh, a, holiday. A, uh, <laughs> a holiday. It's not an event. It's a ball game. It's just strictly a game. It's not an event. Like a bowl game is an event. Like, for instance, I remember a couple years back, because this is the third time the Utes were going in, are going to be playing in the game. So the first time they got in, I expected I would be going to Santa Clara like on a Tuesday or Wednesday because there would be practices and press conference and all. I've covered so many bowl games, as you have over the years, that that's the way they do it, right? Well, then I find out, oh, no, no, no. The conference is – the approach is everything is the same. It's just literally an away game at a neutral site. What I mean by that is that everything that the teams regularly do – game week at their campus is exactly the way it is, and then they just fly in sometime Thursday – and that's it. And then they have the game, and then it's like an away game, and then you do the press conference after the game. There's nothing leading up to it. See, bowl games, they have a bunch of stuff and activities. Yep. Now, I knew they wouldn't have go visit the kids at the hospital or go to uh, to play games at the New York, New York, or whatever it might be. I understood that. But I was a little bit surprised that they didn't build it up. So the conference treats it just like a game. And I think that's what the fans are doing here they're going to start rolling in today, tomorrow, most likely. Particularly from the Utah perspective, yeah. because you can drive, and therefore that there's not, there won't be a lot of pregame action the way there is in a bowl game. Now this thing starts at five o'clock. Uh, Pacific time six o'clock mountain time so I'll get over the stadium probably three-ish because the the commissioners going to speak I think you'll see a bunch of people milling around then and I'm going to go out today I mean I got in last night going through the gorge last night there was a traffic accident it took me over two hours yeah, to get that. through the gorge to get on the other side and good news of, on that uh, front, the gorge
0: I guess not good news but uh, Southbound i15 is closed
2: in Arizona currently due to a crash so
0: Plan for extra time, folks. Yep. As of this morning. Yep.
2: Oh, my gosh. And it was nasty. And by the time I got through, it was dark. I entered it uh, around the 5 o'clock, and the sun was just setting. And, I mean, I didn't get out of there until Mm. past 7. And then once you got past the gorge, it was probably another three miles for the crash. And then by the time I got up there, it it, it looked nasty. I saw an SUV that did not look like an SUV. So... Uh, it, was a, it was a long drive for me, and by the time I got into the hotel, it was late. I went to Jimmy John's, came back, and turned on the, uh, the game, uh, Utah Valley, and, and the Cougars watched it on my phone and uh, was able to, to have that so I knew what was going on there. But I didn't do anything. I didn't get out of the town. Well, today I'm not going to sit in this room all day. So I assume I'll see some red and some green in, in the community uh probably see more red at places that I normally wouldn't uh, frequent if you know what I mean
0: Yeah, okay, good. All right, so I think you're right <laughs> about I think you're right about it it has definitely been a game atmosphere, but I think part of going to Vegas and part of hiring Klavkov as the commissioner is they'll never be able to make it the bowl game event Because it's not a holiday, the student athletes are still in school, the fans are working, it just the the timing isn't right. But moving to Vegas, if you're gonna get people who aren't as passionate compared to the SEC or the Big Ten, and if they have to travel further than they do, the only way you're gonna create a championship game in an event is give it some sizzle. I think that's the reason to go to Vegas. It's an event town, there's casinos, there's shows, there's golf. There's a lot of things to do there to try and turn it into a weekend. It'll be interesting this new TV deal if Klyavkov gets them a, a Saturday time slot because that can help make it a little more of an event, at least make it the weekend. Uh, a, a Friday doesn't really lend itself to that. But I think they do have to add some sizzle to the steak if they don't want to be playing in half-full stadiums. And that's, that's not a good look.
2: Uh, yeah, but see, I disagree. I think they should keep it on Friday night because that allows you then... You're the only to game. have a Saturday event.
1: No, well, that's true. Yeah, I it's thinking, true. I, right.
2: I looked at it. Yeah. yeah, my wife was thinking about coming down. She's not. But I was looking, and, and I saw a Little Big Town was going to be in... They're in town tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought, okay, I'm checking out of the hotel Saturday. I could hang around, play golf Saturday, and go to a show Saturday night. So in terms of making it more of an event rather than just a ball game, I think Friday night's the better. Now, you probably, depending on where you're coming from, you got to take the day off. But you're probably going to take the day off anyway or, or work half a day and, and, and all that stuff. So I actually, I like it on the Friday night at this point because I think it allows people who want to come to Vegas and do something on the Saturday, you got the whole day. Then you could turn around and go home on Sunday. Now, she's not coming down. So I'm I'm just going to take off and, and go home. Uh, but if she were, I, I was actually looking to see because you always know. And, and Vegas, to a degree, is up and running. I, mean, I don't know that anything will ever be the same as it was. But, you know, I was down here for a couple of concerts uh, last month. And uh, to a large degree, it looked like Vegas was back. So it's, it's – it's, and I think I think Larry Scott would have moved it to Vegas, too. It yeah, was clear that right. this is where they – That's where it was
0: going. Be. Yeah, the basketball tournaments worked out too well, and the football game was kind of falling flat. Vegas was the next option, and Larry Scott would have done it, and it's moved there under Clay Avkov, And if it had been somebody else, they would have moved it there, too. I mean, that's, that's the next move. Yeah. And, and it's probably the best idea. I think it'll work out, and it'll be there for a long time. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles is here in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Join Unrivaled with Alex Curry and Scott Mitchell Friday from 3 to 6 at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet holiday sale in Draper next to Calabunga Bay. 12101 Factory Outlet Drive. That's 121st South Factory Outlet Drive.
2: Sniggy. Yes. I got a bone to pick with Whittingham. Now what? Well, he just said in your Ute updates at 50 that since they've joined the league. Uh, the South has only won one of these games. Well, there was no game
0: before you joined the league. I know. I did think that when he said that.
2: <laughs> well, That's why
0: these games happen. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what happened to the Pac-12 before me. I could almost see him like, I'm not going to go into that. If I dig into that, I'll mess it up.
2: <laughs> I was over there like, there wasn't one. Uh, I remember when the Devils beat the Cats in the Pac-12 title game. <laughs> <laughs> We'll let it it slip, though. He's got a lot on his mind. Let it
0: slide. Let it go.
2: (laughs) Which, and I do have a problem with this type of game to an extent because of the fact that you've basically, not entirely, but you've turned it into like a big sky basketball. It, it, It doesn't really matter what you did for two-plus months, it matters what you do in this one game to go to the Rose Bowl.
0: There are more and less satisfying matchups. Two years ago, when Utah and Oregon are both 8-1 and and they didn't meet in the regular season, it felt right, it felt true. But if you get teams that have already played, if you get a team that is two games better in the standings, then it doesn't feel right. It's just that's not... That's not what we're looking for in championship matchups.
2: Okay, and you know that if Oregon should win, we're going to hear. Well, oh, that's sort of unfair that they got to play them twice in three mm-hmm. weeks yeah. and, and all that. So it, it it's it's concocted to a to an extent because it does, and I think it does to a degree take away from what has been a really good regular season in the conference, not the non-conference, but the regular season, the conference play. And now you got to do it again. And if you don't do it, well, you're out the door and you're regulated to the Alamo Bowl. Nobody wants to go to the Alamo Bowl. Let's call it like it is. They certainly didn't want to go last, two, well, last time, two years ago, and they're not going to want to go this time. But yet they'll have to go and put on a pretty face and go through the motions and all that stuff. But there'll be a massive, massive letdown. Whichever team, for that matter, not just the Utes, obviously. Whichever team. So that's the situation. And you got to deal with it because it's not going to change. You know, there's money to be made off another game, blah, blah, blah. I understand that. Now, if you win, well, then it's the greatest thing ever. You beat the Ducks twice. Then you beat a ranked team that was – you literally beat a top-10 team twice. How many times has Utah, in the conference season, beaten a top-10 team twice? I don't know that there's been that many times because I don't know that there's been that many times where Pac-12 teams have been ranked in the top 10. So this is, this is a double opportunity, man. I mean, everything is right before you. You really you will shoot up the rankings. You'll get to go to the Rose Bowl, which, you know, to go you to know, the Rose Bowl is good enough and, but for, for me. But here, you'll beat a top 10 team twice and in, in a down year. And for you, what was considered somewhat of a reloading year. That's really good if you could pull this off tomorrow night. Boy, I think that's about the best you could hope for uh, coming out of your conference, not the non-conference. Put the non-conference aside for now. But from the conference for the uh, 10 games that you will play in the conference, this is about the best-case scenario, especially considering that you went 1-2 and two in the non-conference.
0: Yeah, at that point, it was really hard to foresee that this was going to happen. And yet... That's exactly what happened.
2: Although, as we look back, it makes sense. it's very conceivable. I know. Because nobody you, else in yeah. the South was worth a crap.
0: Right. As you look back, it, you know, UCLA beat LSU. Well, LSU turned out to be a 6-6 six six team. And UCLA is 8-4. And, right. and UCLA was at home, so great. Uh, But watching Utah get pushed around by BYU, watching them make multiple mistakes and lose a very winnable game in a bizarro triple overtime formula against San Diego State, and then watching as they start to fix some of the other problems, watching them just drop the ball again and again against Washington State, you knew the possibility was there, but you didn't want to say out loud, oh, this team's going to go on a roll. I mean, it looked like the pieces were there, and they could and they should, but you couldn't say they would because every week it seemed to be something else. But after that Washington State game and the conference opener and finding a way to win that, even though Washington State was missing a couple of key offensive players and their starting quarterback and their start running back, they got it together. And they looked like the best version of themselves in all but one of the next Except eight games. For Oregon, yeah, so. the Oregon State game that yeah. they were not the best version. You know, they, they messed up two punts. Uh Oregon State ran the ball on them too easily. And there, there were problems in that game. And I guess you could say against ASU, there was thirty minutes, and maybe that's when they figured out the first thirty minutes weren't good. Whatever mm-hmm. uh, whatever happened in the locker room, my Gosh, they came out a totally different team, and that's pretty much the team they've I don't, been since I then.
2: I don't think that first 30 minutes, I think that was more on the Devils were good. They looked really good in that first half. It wasn't like the Utes were incompetent. They weren't stumbling all over the place. It was just as a matter of the Devils looked good, and then they changed it all and, and went on the run. And I think this sends a great, great message to programs as far as, you know, how you go about building a program. Well, you hire the right dude preferably one who has a long-term commitment and is not going to flirt with every single offer that comes his way, and he's going to stay there, and then you let him do his thing because you look at all these other teams, and I think I totaled it up in the South since Kyle has been there. there has, he has gone against uh, maybe not literally uh, him the Utes, but there's been in that time 20 coaches, that sounds about right gone through the south I I, I I totaled it up a few weeks ago in my mind and I double checked it uh, because SC had a couple I had I had to make sure I counted for interim coaches which they're head coaches so they need to count even though they're interim like Williams here for SC the they didn't that, that's an interim coach but he counted because he was the head coach at the time 20 head coaches since he's been the head coach at Utah and Utah has had one one versus 20. Well, my gosh, that's your answer right there. Hire the right dude, make sure he's committed, and give him what he needs, and then let him go to town and do what he does. And that's exactly what Kyle has done. That's the reason for the success.
0: That's a good recipe, and that's a good recipe for not paying out that half billion dollars in dead money that uh, college sports has paid out to fired coaches over the last eleven years. Really, really, since the Utes joined the Pac-12, since Utah and Colorado that's a made joke, the move. I, I know, right? And, but I don't know that that's the story that's going to sell it. The story they may sell it because it's a bigger, um, it's a higher profile program. It's got a bigger rep and it's got, you know, a glorious history. But Michigan stands by Harbaugh when many people in college football would have let him go. People have been fired for doing exactly what he did winning enough, well, winning a lot of games, but not winning enough for the school's ego and not beating the rival. That'll get you fired a lot of places. It didn't get them fired, and now they're 11-1 playing for the conference title. Yep. And they stuck it out. And the Utes stuck it out, but there's more eyeballs on Michigan than there are in Utah. So, All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles, the Joe Ingles Show. Joe makes his appearance next. Stay with us.